have the four common ground. Say what? Did you have a background in broadcasting? No, no none whatsoever. Well, you ramped up quick. I'm a marketing sales guy. There we go. Yeah. You should be able to hear him. Alex, how you doing? Hello, Odell. Can you hear him? Not yet. Okay. So now I hear him. I had yours too. You can hear me, Alex? I can. Too loud or is it okay? Uh, uh, talk, Odell, if you don't mind. Alex is the man. I don't care what no one says. And if I go ask Angie, that'd be perfect. Alex, how many years of marriage now? Is it 33 or 32? I get it confused. Uh, we just embarked on 32, brother. Okay. Now, well, don't you know she has crowns in heaven? They... <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt. So what have you been doing these days? I haven't seen you in a while. What have you been doing these last couple of days? Well, last couple of days, um, we filmed for five and a half hours yesterday at Alderman. Okay. And uh, I taught um, a PR and marketing class out in Colorado. And then I stayed out wow. there and taught a class on biblical worldview. And just traveling the country, meeting donors, working on two conferences and a camp next summer. Got it. Got it. And I want to make sure we bring those points up. Quick question for you, Alex. What things, because this is kind of, you know, the same routine. You know how it goes. You're the expert here. Me and Bill, we'll start off praying. You know, I'll pray, Bill pray. We'll ask you to pray. After that, me and Bill will do the normal little chit chat. We'll talk about, you know, blase, blase. But what are the things you want to make sure we bring up? about you and what are the things you want to make sure we don't talk about? Oh, well, good question. Nothing is off limits. I mean, you can bring up anything as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, you know, I want to hear what you guys are doing. I don't, I don't want to commandeer this thing. I mean, if I had a chance, I would love to, you know, talk about our, our youth camp and how we're trying to talk to kids about, thriving and having a great future for themselves, you know, but, um, and, and one thing I wanted to say, um, I, we just had a staff meeting with Carla and, uh, some of my big news, we don't have to get into in the podcast, but we've hired a guy, uh, Odell for truth for new generation. We hired a guy named Chuck Wallington who for years ran the second largest Christian book distributorship in the world. And wow. he, he sold to uh, a company out of Massachusetts. I mean, th this would be like getting, you know, Elon Musk into our team. This guy is a, he's a godly man, but he's a business ninja and he's really <laughs> revolutionizing our staff. And um, one thing I wanted to do, I can accommodate um, 25 males, 25 females. Odell, I want the Mount Zion youth to come to our camp in July 17th through 22nd. And the same for Westover. I mean, and this, we could talk about this offline, but we've got this youth camp that we do every summer. We've done it for 23 years, biblical worldview. And, uh, the camp we've rented is one hour east of Raleigh. It's called the Refuge, Olympic swimming pool, horseback riding, archery, ropes course. I mean, it, it's 
and I've rented camps in Texas, California, Washington State, North Carolina, best camp I've ever rented. And I, I wow. want to say uh, the door is open for the youth group of Mount Zion. The door is open for the youth group of uh, Westover. Okay. A couple things I wanted to let you know I was going to bring up. I was going to bring up, <coughs> excuse me, I was going to mention a little bit about the peanut butter and you're a peanut butter farmer, correct? Yes, we have a peanut butter company. Okay, peanut butter company. I wanted to talk a little bit about doing the course of the conversation about your egg root and all the lessons you learned. What was the lady's name, Alex, on the egg root? You said black young lady who laid hands on you and told you you were going to be a preacher. Uh, she was at Florida Street Curb Market. Her name was Pauline. Got it. Okay, so I'll just mention something there. Wanted to talk a little bit about black preachers and white churches, how you have blessed me with the opportunity to say, hey, Odell, can you sub for me at this church and then the one in Myrtle Beach? And then I was going to say, okay, Alex, I know what you told me, but how did you tell them that, hey, by the way, he's a great guy, but he's black, you know, that whole conversation. So you deal with that, you know, when we get to it. And I'm going to ask the question, what's a Christian apologist? Because a lot of people may not know that. Um, and it says, Alex arms his audience with the tools to defend their faith while empowering the unchurched to find out the truth for themselves. And then I was going to ask all three of us, Bill, sometimes is it the, un the un-Christians or the unchurched who we are fighting with in today's church, or are we fighting ourselves as Christians? Bill, what's your, what's your thought? You're reading Alex's peanut butter? It's yeah. good. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yep, I, that sounds fine. What I, what I was listening to sounds fine. Okay. Uh, Alex, Bill's going to be talking to about the 50, day, 50 preaching in 50 states in 50 days. I think during that time, he made a donation of a zillion dollars to your campaign. All wow. that kind of good stuff. So, you know, I'm just picking with you. <laughs> um, well, tell me this, like your audience, what, what is the main thing you want to convey to your audience? We just talk. We just talk. The main thing is just how common ground, um, how we could look at something, look at the same thing and look at it differently, but also how things change over time. Meaning that where Odell used to hate all white people, Odell used to hate all black people when I was youth, who taught me that? Now Odell is a 61 year old man is like, you know what? There's no such thing as all. Is no such thing as all stuff like that. So we really just want you to be yourself, Alex. We want you to be yourself, so that Angie and Bev will be proud of you and me, and everything else will be pretty, pretty good. I, I was doing some research on you, and I saw something that kind of caught me off guard. It was saying that you were in, in Colorado and you saw a Confederate flag in Colorado, and I'm uh, like, Colorado? Uh, of, and it was on Highway 24, going from. Old Colorado City to Woodland Park. I'm driving up this hill on the right. Blew my mind up on a flagpole. Now, it was in front of a trailer. I mean, it was as quintessentially low-end white trash as anything you could imagine. But yes, high, probably 30 feet high on a pole was a Confederate flag in Colorado. I'm like, what is this? They're all over. I always thought, yeah, I always thought Colorado was the mecca of evangelical all that kind of good stuff correct 
Yeah, there, there are a lot of Christians in Colorado uh, because there's a lot of ministries out there like Dr. Dobson and Campus Crusade for Christ and Compassion International. There's also a lot of like New Age, even Wicca and witchcraft weirdness. But wow. there, believe it or not, and this was a surprise to me, in California and Colorado, there are rednecks. Hmm. You'd be surprised. I was speaking in a series of high schools. Are there black, there, black people in Colorado too, right? Yeah. Um, not that many, though, it doesn't seem. I mean, you really don't see a lot of black people in Colorado. Or at least. Hey, let me, all right, Bill, let me take a quick call. I'll be right back. Okay. Then, then we, we're ready to go. Did we you usually go about 40 to 45 hmm. minutes. Did you give money to the 50 states in 50 days? Yeah. Yeah. A long time ago. Long time ago. How did like how did I know you? Somebody through either Grace Community Church or Westover Church. Yeah. Uh told me about it. And uh did you know Jimmy Rinslow? Yeah. Yeah. Might have been through Jimmy. Now, um Don Miller. I've I've spoken to the youth at Westover many times. Uh Jonathan and Betsy Stainback. Mm -hmm. Um Pete Bunch, who I don't think is there anymore. Rick Troutman. Yeah, he's there. Still. Did you ever know Bill Sigmund? No, I didn't know Bill. Bill and Mary Floyd Sigmund. No. Did you ever know Virginia Petty? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Petty and her husband, David, were very, very close friends of ours. Um, but when we, the first time I rented the Greensboro Coliseum was in probably 98 or 99. And I called up Don Miller and I said, hey, can I come on a Sunday morning and um, give a, a 30 second pitch? And, you know, he doesn't give up the pulpit. Yeah, you got that right. Easily. <laughs> but you know what? He is so gracious. I need to reconnect with him. And we had Lee Strobel. Nobody had ever heard of Lee Strobel. Mm -hmm. We had Lee, Josh McDowell, Chuck Colson. We had, oh, wow, you had some big names. Yeah. And we ended up. Did you work with Stu Epperson with that? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and Stu and I have been. That might have been how I connected with you with Stu. Yeah. Stu, believe it or not, we probably pray on the phone three to four times a week and have for 22 years. Wow. And so Stu and I are about as close as two guys can be. Oh, that's great. Um, so Don was so nice. I was like, please, please, we're, I, I need your help. Could I get up and give a 30 second commercial? And so the Sunday morning that he was going to let me do that, there was like a snowstorm, an ice storm. And I came and the church, there was like 200 people at West Oak. Oh, jeez! But and Don and everybody's power was out. He said, you know what? Go take five, six, seven minutes. Just talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you're so kind. I, I will not let you down. Uh, I will not go 10 minutes. So I haven't technically preached on a Sunday morning at Westover, but Don graciously, and um, you probably know John Willett, don't you? Yeah. See, John has been a mentor of mine since the, the summer that I came to Christ at age 21. Wow. I mean, he's a great man. A, a humong, if you want to get who I am, I'm a little guy who spent 30 years trying to become John Willie. 
Great. Okay. That's a good description. I mean, a huge part of who I am as a believer and certainly as, as a minister, but I'm just a Christian bill. But um, if I could be one-tenth of the godly man John Willett is, my life would have been successful. Cool. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Westover, they're going through a transition now. Don's retired. Okay. And they're without a senior pastor, so or preaching pastor. And uh, they've had a lot of turnover, tremendous amount of turnover in their staff. So uh, they're, they're in a search for a minister. Uh, preaching minister and uh we'll see where that goes could i throw my hat in the you ring probably should you probably should i, I have nothing to do with yeah, it i'm yeah. on the search committee right. but you should probably talk, call them and find out who's on the search committee i i don't know um i, I might be too southern though <laughs> you know come on alice you know you're not gonna be a pastor guys give me i, I apologize we got a little covid situation let me give me one minute and i will be right back one minute i promise okay. oh yeah yeah okay. sure well i've i've my day, I have no time constraints, but I want to hear your story. Now, where are you from originally? Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Yeah. you ever been to um, Sandusky? Oh, Cedar Point. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ride roller coasters there? When yeah. You were? I, took, uh, I took a bunch of high school kids, for, uh, my youth minister. I was a youth ministry. I uh, had a small youth group for yeah. 16 years. Yeah. And I took them up there one year and they had never heard of it. Uh-huh. And so I took them to where I grew up and the house was 850 square yeah. feet, yeah. one bathroom, 10 people living in it. Yeah. And uh, they're like, wow, you live this week. And so I took up about 16 or 17 kids and, and just let them loose. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Isn't it great? Um, Kings Island. Where is that? Kings Island is. Uh, so that's Cincinnati. Yeah. It's Cincinnati. And there's something. <clears throat> old dominions up near richmond i've been to that one too i was Are a, youth... you a roller coaster oh yeah right. I, I was a youth pastor for 11 years and i was over here at friendly avenue baptist not that way mm-hmm. but um it, it was always on my bucket list to go to to cedar point yeah which we did about 10 years ago they have some of the largest uh coasters in the country i think out of the top 10 they have five four or five of them um the day we went, there were a group from Japan, 70 people, 75 people, something like that from Japan. That was like the coaster enthusiasts <laughs> that came all the way from Japan just to go to Cedar Point. Wow. Isn't that cool? Wow. But um, have you ever been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah. Many yeah. times. Yeah. Many times. Yeah. That's that's when I, I haven't been there in a while, but yeah, I've taken friends there and stuff. Yeah. It's a nice area. So when you were growing up, you were in high school. Was music a big part of your life? Uh, I played. I went out for the choir, right. and uh, they told me not to sing loud because okay. I have a horrible voice. Oh. I'm not on pitch, but they needed bodies. It was an all boys Catholic school. Yeah. And uh, but uh, we would have our thing was the Four Tops, and oh, yeah. you know the uh, Motown, Motown, big time. And we were in an all white town. I mean, there are no blacks in our town, so we would we would. Uh, do double decker band dances one in the gym and one in the cafeteria and we'd have a couple thousand kids yeah uh, but we'd we'd bring in motown top name detroit motown people and oh. what would happen is it freaked out the community because all the blacks on the east side of cleveland yeah heard that you know these people were coming so they would show up and for 75 cents you could get into the dance 
So did, were, were you a booker? Did you organize it? No, no, I just I just attended. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, Cleveland <clears throat> is kind of the birthplace of rock and roll because Alan Freed yeah, was a no DJ, yeah. you know, some of that history. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty, that was a pretty good place. Uh, no, my brothers were in this, my one brother was really into music. In fact, I think he still does jazz now, high-end jazz, and he works with jazz musicians all over the Midwest. They were going to put a, a hard rock cafe here in Greensboro and bring in the jazz groups from that. And I don't, I think COVID knocked that apart. Did you ever, so how long have you been in Greensboro? 1990. Oh, since 1990. Yeah, I went from uh, Cleveland to Chicago, huh. spent five years in Chicago, and then moved to Connecticut, or Fairfield County, and commuted into Manhattan yeah. for about three years. And then I got a job in Connecticut and Greenwich for about mm, 15 years, yeah. and then came down here. Yeah. Do you like Greensboro? I do. Yeah. I do. I do. I you know, sometimes I wish it was closer to the mountains and or closer to the coast, but it's perfect location. Do you know what? My wife and I bought a house in Myrtle Beach, November 26th of 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, right on the ocean, you know, um, yay, lifelong dream. I mean, it was in a place called the Golden Mile, mm-hmm. right in the middle of the nicest, nicest, nicest part of Myrtle Beach. And... Um, we weren't even there five minutes. So I was like, I don't want this. I thought I wanted it, but I didn't want it. So we sold it and bought wow. it in Greensboro again. Wow. Okay, you're back? Yeah, sorry about that, guys. I had a situation. I kind of th- thought I had it, and we finally got the test results back from one of our staffers. But So now we just have to go in protocol mode. It's just, that's just, that's just stuff. That's COVID, you know? We just deal with it. Yeah, we deal with it. The person's at home, so we haven't. No one's really been exposed, so that's good. All right. So, Alex, any more questions for me? I'm, I apologize, but that's the life of a executive pastor at a mega church. People think Amen. they want it. Oh, I want to come to a big church. Folks have no idea. No idea. Okay, you want to get started, Odell Prane, and then I'll go second. Unless you've got more questions for Alex. Nah, nah, me and Alice go way back. What's that dog doing there, man? That's the only question I have. What's the dog doing? It's keeping us company. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Okay. Father God, we just come to you just to say thank you. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for our friends, God, the people you bring in, about, in our lives. God, we just thank you for many of us are leaders. God, we make decisions that affect so many people. God, help us in our leadership that is always about you and the people and not about us. God, just thank you for grace and mercy as you just bless our families and you just keep us strong and just keep our hands lifted as we serve your people, God. God, you've put us in positions that we couldn't put ourselves in and we know that you can take us away from these positions. So God, above everything else, let us please you and Mm. please protect us from the enemy because the enemy seeks to kill, steal and destroy. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for bringing Odell and Alex into my life. Uh, Alex is our guest today, uh, and we're going to share some information about him and his ministry. Uh, Lord, uh, you know, you've been so gracious for us. We've, uh, my wife and I have traveled all over the place uh, over these last two weeks, and you've given us safety, safety and travel and safety from COVID. Uh, we've 
got to see family and friends and uh, that we haven't seen for a year and a half. Uh, Lord, as we go through this next phase of COVID, watch over us, keep us safe, and bless our time together as we go through this podcast. Amen. Lord, I just want to agree with everything that's uh, been said already. And Lord, thank you for this opportunity. And Lord Jesus, thank you for what brings us together, which is you and the gospel. And Lord, uh, if it wasn't for you, Jesus, we probably wouldn't even know each other. I thank you for my friendship with Odell. I thank you for getting to know Bill. And Lord, uh, here's a man many years ago gave a donation to our ministry, and I didn't even know it. And so, Father God, thank you that we can uh, connect and bless this recording. Please let it go well. And Lord, I pray for myself and for my brothers, Lord, that our ways would be pleasing in your sight. And it's for your glory. And in your name, we pray, Lord. Amen. 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 Well, Bill, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. We, uh, we, we did a lot of uh, work before Christmas and we took off maybe 10 days. And uh, we're back in it again today. So it's good to see you. So I heard you traveled from Colorado to Ohio, all these different states. My only question is, did you see a better good looking black man than me along the way, my friend? You know, I was on a hunt for that. And I tell you what, I even told my wife, Dory, I said, Dory, if you see a good looking black man, please point him out to me. And she didn't Thank point you. out a one. Well, you know, it's interesting. Don't ask me, Bill, if I ate too much, because the question is, yes, I did. Um, you know, New Year's resolution, Odell's going to lose a pound or two, so that's part of it, too. But at the same time, it was so much a blessing to see family and friends. We went to New York, spent some time with um, my wife's, well, my father-in-law. We went and spent some time with my son who moved from L.A. Now he's in New York now, so he's a New Yorker. And it's interesting, Bill, he lives in this place, nice place, but he's on the fifth floor with no elevator. Oh, my goodness. Fifth floor with no elevator, my friend. So it's just interesting. But once I finished huffing and puffing and I got up to the fifth floor, it's real nice. So he's happy pursuing his career because we all love it when our children are doing well and, you know, doing what they believe in, even though at times it makes us shake our head. But often. Not at times, often, but I guess, you know, our parents probably did the same thing when we were growing up thinking, you know, what kind of crazy thing is that are they doing now? Uh, so I think it goes through generations and, uh, you know, something we all survive, we all survive. We come out the other side and it, it's a good thing. You know, uh, this morning you and I had breakfast together with, uh, Brad Miller and, uh, we had a delightful breakfast. Uh, you got to know Brad and he got to know you a little bit. And I've known Brad since for, through scouting and uh, I think the interesting thing that came out of it, besides the discussions and the friendship, is we may be doing a podcast at the International Furniture Market. Yeah, yeah. So now, it's, how, many, how many countries are we in so far, Bill? Uh, 14. Okay, so 14 countries. And now in a couple months, we'll be doing one from the International furniture market and for our audience who have no idea what that means you explain it real quick sure uh twice a year uh buyers from all over the world uh descend upon high point north carolina the furniture capital of the world and we have about 12 million square feet of showroom space and about 123 buildings and uh these buyers come in and uh they look at the new lines they make purchases 
and then the manufacturers begin and making it and shipping it to them. And uh, it's been going on for years, probably 30, 40 years here. The, uh, and, but to give you some dimension, in the heyday, about 60,000 buyers would come into town. And uh, Greensboro, High Point, Winston-Salem do not have hotels for that. Uh, so what people do is they rent out their houses for the week or 10 days they're here. And during that time, they can raise enough money to pay their mortgages for a whole year. So it's a real interesting uh, cottage industry that's that came about. So that was the Airbnb before there was Airbnb. Right. That's right. That's right. That's definitely right. The, uh, how's, you know, Bev, how's Bev doing? I haven't talked to her in a while. Beverly is doing fine. Uh, bossy as ever. When I say bossy, let me fix this because she <laughs> may hear this. I love my wife of 36 years. She is making sure that Odell doesn't eat too much. She's making sure that Odell does all the right things. She made sure that when I had that chest cold, that I went to the doctor, all those kind of things. So I just love my wife. I appreciate her. So Beverly is doing fine. Yeah, good. Tell her I said hello from Dory and I. You know, this we're going to see each other three times today. We had breakfast. We're seeing each other now. And we're having dinner tonight uh, for the board meeting for Youth of North Carolina that you're a board member. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, yes, yes. And so we're going to do it. But you know, it's interesting. Our guest today talked about doing a lot of things at one time. Our guest today, he does all kinds of things. Alex McPhail is a good friend of mine. And Alex, you know, we call him Alex. His real name is Dr. Alex McPhail. You see him on Fox News. You see him on all kinds of radio stations. I've been blessed to be on his TV show uh, Alex does a little bit of everything. Let me just read and then I'll ask him to introduce himself. But the thing I love about it is this. It says, Alex arms his audience with the tools to defend their faith while empowering the unchurched to find out the truth for themselves. So Alex is what we call a Christian apologist. And I'm sure I said it wrong because, you know, I went to school in South Carolina in the 60s. So they didn't teach me all them big fancy words, Alex. But Alex, welcome to the show. How you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm blessed. Blessed to see you, Odell, and blessed to be right here with Bill. So thanks for having me. Good. So Alex, what have you, what have you been up to? I know Angie been putting up with you for 32 years of marriage. What have you been up to these days? Because I see you on Fox News and all these other places, and you're just a blessing. And I just smile and say... Tell it, Alex. Tell it. Tell it, Alex. Tell it. Oh, man. Uh, well, every day I'm just trying to get my mind around how good God is. You know, I, I know it sounds really spiritual and sanctimonious to say things like this, but no, I'm just in awe of, of Jesus and how he has loved me in spite of myself and got a godly wife that's uh, uh, got crowns in heaven for putting up with me. I know that. But I love you guys. You know, Odell, you and I have been friends for a couple of years, two, two years plus through um, a, a very dear mutual friend, Jenny Kaiser, who introduced us. And uh, uh, Bill, you, you got to understand, uh, you know, we all have our strengths and everything. And uh, uh, I am so envious of Odell, honestly. <laughs> and, and the Lord knows I'm telling you the truth. But if, if I could ask the Lord for anything, I wish I had your administrative abilities, Odell, because you... You help lead Mount Zion Church. Um, I've watched you administrate and lead. And see, I don't have that. And I'm, I'm so envious of your skill set, Odell. 
Well, Alice, I thought you were going to say, I thought, God, I'm so envious of Odell good looks. So, you know, you that just, too, you, of you, course. You just, just pop my little, my little <laughs> ego bubble, but it's all good. Hey, man, you when, know, when, and, when they were handing out handsome, Odell went through the line twice. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Good looking, yeah. man. Oh, Bill, when they was had handed out hair, me and you, Alex took all of ours. So the artist, yeah. you don't, you can't <laughs> understand. Alex has the perfect hair. You know, you meet these guys, you're like, oh, that's that guy with the perfect hair. Alex McFarlane, Dr. Revan Alex McFarlane has the perfect hair, Bill. So I'm sitting here going bald. I can't speak for you, Bill, but Alex <laughs> is sitting there. there with the perfect hair. Well, you know, it's interesting. We probably, when they lined us up to the line for good looks, and then there's a line for hair. We probably skipped that line and went to the lunch because <laughs> <laughs> we were hungry. <laughs> so, hey, Alex, you know, I, 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 it was a pleasure to see you again. I, I heard you speak at our youth group at Westover Church. Uh, very powerful message you give those young kids to defend uh, Christianity mm. and their faith. Mm. And then uh, when you uh, went, uh, you had a, a, a ministry that preached in 50 states in 50 days is that do i have that right yeah uh, you know i i know that sounds crazy but we, we did that we took nine people to 50 states in 50 days and did 64 worship services around the country that was now 20 years ago wow yeah holy cow time flies doesn't yeah it? Yeah. You want to do it again? Oh, yeah. I'm dying to. I would love to do that. Would you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was, it, you know, it wasn't that hard to do, really. I mean, what we did, we, um, I mean, we spent about 18 months organizing the venues and booking, and we did a big outdoor crusade in Hawaii, flew to Anchorage, Alaska, and then Seattle, Washington. So the lower 48, I mean, um, there were some long distances out there, out west, like one, um, Friday night, we're in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we had to be in Dallas, Texas for a Saturday night event. We had to be on site by about 4.30, set up video, sound, uh, PA, and all that stuff. So, um, you know, we let me just say that to drive from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Dallas, Texas is like a, a, a day's work. So some of the Western states, we were sweating bullets to try to make our setup times, but you know, once you get east of the Mississippi, it's easy. Going to 50 states in 50 days is not nearly as difficult as it sounds. Really? Now, how much flying? So obviously you did Hawaii and Alaska. That was the only ones we flew. Really? Wow. And by the way, just uh, if you ever decide to go to 50 states in 50 days, from Seattle, Portland, Sacramento, uh, Las Vegas, to drive and get every state and wind up in Greensboro on day 50, 19,001 miles. <laughs> and did you have a bus that did this? We had two RVs and a minivan. Wow. Wow. That is so cool. Was, I've, I've flown from Seattle to Anchorage and I thought it was a short, going to be a short flight. Yeah. It's not. It is surprisingly far. Yeah. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, the funny thing, okay, we're on this plane at like five in the morning, getting ready to fly from SeaTac airport, Seattle, Washington to Anchorage. And, um, I was new to flying. I mean, I fly so much now and I'm still not really comfortable with flying, you know? Um, but we're sitting there and, you know, we've got all this gear and, um, I pick up the magazine out of the 
seat in front of you. And it was like, and we were on Alaska Air, which I'm sure is a, a fine company. But I, I open up, I'm a little nervous about flying, you know. And there's this article, it says, uh, Dear Airline Traveler, thanks for picking Alaska Air. As the new president of the company, I am promising you that the tragedy of flight 427 will never be repeated. And the, the funny thing, I'm reading this article and the plane is delayed and this guy gets on and the cockpit door is open. And this guy is like in a, a, a rough looking uniform and he's under the dash, like beating on something. I'm like, is he installing a cassette player? <laughs> and um, so I, I'm like, wow, do I get off the plane now or do I risk it? But anyway, I don't know why I'm digressing there, but uh, we flew uh, Hawaii and Alaska, but drove the lower 48 and wow. uh, it was, it was a blast. And, you know, in a way it sounds kind of crazy because people have asked me, they're like going to 50 States in 50 days. I mean, what are you ADD? And I said, no, I mean, <laughs> we, we organized a prayer rally in in every state and in some of the shorter drives we would do, two and three, if, like we did several, like Bettendorf, Iowa and Mississippi and Connecticut. We would do a Sunday morning in one church, Sunday night in some other church or an evening event. But um, so we did 64 events. But um, looking back, I kind of am amazed at some of the things the Lord's allowed me to do. But we got written up in Christianity Today about talking to youth about their worldview. And a guy named James Dobson came across that. And I get a call, went to work at Focus on the Family. And it, it's amazing the, the, the things that at the moment might not seem all that significant, but the Lord will weave it into a bigger roadmap. Yes. You know, amen. Don't amen. you guys feel like a lot of times you discover the will of God? retrospectively oh yeah looking back you say okay i see what the lord was doing yeah. there yeah you know our daughter uh his name is elisa k okay. and the middle name is k and it's for a lady by name of k james uh african-american lady that my mother-in-law raised she was uh actually i think she was born on the kitchen table in the uh ghettos of baltimore and she was on, she's on the board of directors, was at the board of directors of Focus and the Family. That's right. That's yeah. how I know that name. Yeah. And yeah. then she did something at, uh, I think, Liberty University. She did something for them. And then she became secretary of state in Virginia. Okay. Wow. And then she worked for George, uh, no, uh, Ronald Reagan for a yeah. while. And then she worked for George Bush's uh, junior uh, I guess W they call him. Yeah. Uh, as his uh, chief, his personnel uh, chief of staff. So wow. People. Yeah. So she has some interesting stories. Now she's a part of the Heritage Foundation. She's yes. running that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, well, it, it is great to be with you guys and just to, I want to say thanks for giving me a few moments to visit with you guys. And uh, I rejoice with what God is doing to uh, bring people to understand uh, common ground yes. and hear your programs. And I know God is blessing you guys big time. Well, it's, it, we've been looking forward to having you. And uh, I, I want you to share a couple things. And one is uh, we've got two things I want you to share. One is peanut butter. Uh -huh. And then the other one is your summer camp coming up. So let's start out with the summer camp. 
Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're in youth ministry, you're always in youth ministry. I was a youth pastor for 11 years full time, but we started doing a camp about 21 or two years ago to, you know, number one, try to talk to kids about Jesus and what it means to have a relationship with the Lord, but also just about life. And um, w- for 25 years, we've had this message, stay clean, hang on to your dreams. Uh, that uh, you know, there, there's 10,000 ways to go wrong, but God has a plan for your life and God wants you to be blessed and succeed. And so we talked to kids about um, not, number one is the Lord. And then number two is family. And number three is education. And I, I think um, anybody, no, no matter who you are, you can succeed if those things are in order in your life. Jesus has to be first. And then family. And, and I think that God uh, blesses each one of us in giving us a chance to be a part of a family. And that's just, oh my goodness. Guys, let me just say this. I want to talk about the camp, but I'll, I'll be on shows sometimes. They'll say, okay, Alex, you're, you're a minister and you're doing all these things. What's wrong with America? What would fix America? And obviously the Lord, we, we need God and his word. But if I could ask Jesus to do anything for this country, I would say, Lord, give us great families. Because in my experience with youth, um, one of the best ways to make sure that a kid doesn't get on drugs, make one of the best ways to make sure that a young lady doesn't become promiscuous and have a baby out of wedlock, or one of the best ways to make sure that a kid will graduate high school and launch, uh, this would fix everything is if we would be a nation of stable families. So we talked to kids about the blessing of family. And uh, I talked to young men about the, the joy of loving one woman, you know, I mean, being, being a player and being promiscuous, that's not going to make you a man, you know, Um, loving one woman uh, that and be, taking care of your home. That's, that's a man, you know, but then we talk about education and how education will save you time. I tell kids, you know, uh, you can struggle for four years or you can struggle your whole life and education is not going to give you a silver platter on day one, but education will open doors for you. So God and family and um, becoming something. That's what we talk about at our camp. Oh, that's wonderful. What a great message. What age groups is the camp? Middle school and high school. Okay. And uh, I'm very excited about 2022. We've, we've rented a camp that's about one hour east of Raleigh, North Carolina. It's called The Refuge. And I spoke there last summer and my wife, she said, you need to do a camp here. So we rented it. They've got horseback riding and paddle boarding and archery and ropes course and a pool and basketball and all the camp stuff. But um, we've got um, a lot of great speakers that'll be coming in and uh, it's going to be July 17th through 22nd. And we're going to talk about God and life and all the things that we try to impart to young people. And so uh, um, that's uh, the, the website, two websites I want to give, if, if I may. One is my own, alexmcfarland.com. The other, the camp itself is ncrefuge.org, as in North, Carol- North Carolina Refuge. And um, 
to anybody that might hear this, yeah, I mean, there's a cost. Forget the money. I don't care. If somebody calls me up and says, look, I have a young person that would come to your camp. God always provides. So the the tuition for the camp is not even anything we Should worry be about. A barrier. We, you know, yeah. we want kids to come. That's great. Okay. Fantastic. Odell? Yeah, Alice, can you repeat the dates of the camp and kind of repeat how do people contact you again? Because this camp is so important that I just want to make sure we don't uh, just fly over that because oh, it's just you. too important. We're talking about saving lives. What we really are, July 17 through 22nd, 2022. So that's a Sunday through a Friday. July 17th through 22nd. And then um, one of the best ways, the camp website, we're on there and it's uh, NC Refuge, as in North Carolina Refuge. Or you can go to my own website, which is alexmcfarland.com. And by the way, I, you know, it's a Christian camp. I mean, we're trying to explain to kids what it means to be a disciple. And we, multiple times throughout the week, we give an opportunity for kids to open their heart to Jesus and be born again. And then, um, you know, I mean, we have a lot of fun and we've had kids all over the country. You know, now kids are grown up and have jobs. I'll say, Mr. McFarlane, I, I came to your camp 15 years ago and now I've, uh, I'm in the youth group at my church. Please come to Texas. You know, please come to Oklahoma. Please come back to California. But um, July of 2022, because, you know, post-COVID, we're, we're kind of ramping things back up slowly. So we're only doing one camp next summer. And it's just super easy to get to. Like, uh, we're, um, like I say, about an hour east of Raleigh. Well, thank you so much. Alice, you know, you're being modest. Uh, Truth for a new generation is excellent. Uh, you're a rock star in these arenas. You mentioned a gentleman's name, Mr. Dobson. Do people, people don't know who he is. Go back and revisit that to know all of a sudden, how did you just pick up the phone and it's like, hello? I mean, how did all that happen? Well, you know, James Dobson is a great man. I, I almost put him up there with like Billy Graham. And for 14 years, he was head of pediatric psychiatry at UCLA Medical School. So Christian man out in California and his background was mental health. And he just was concerned about the state of the family and kids who, you know, grow up and, and they don't really have a sense of context. And so he started focus on the family. And um, like you say, Odell, a lot of people don't know who Dr. Dobson is, but back in the 80s and 90s, I mean, he was a, Bill, back me up here, he was a big deal. Oh, yeah. For, still is. Still is a big deal. Yeah. Greatest guy in the world. I mean, his I, books and everything. I would marriage. I, I love him like my own father. I really do. But for like 10 years, Dr. Dobson was Good Housekeeping's most admired man in America. I mean, that's. Wow. Yeah. So it was like 2003. Uh, my wife and I, we had this little ministry in Greensboro called Truth for New Generation. And we had, you know, filled up the Greensboro Coliseum on three different occasions with youth events. And um, a Christian magazine wrote an article that's like, really? Teenagers will come out to listen to a day-long lecture about biblical worldview. And I'm like, yeah, 
kids need to youth group should be more than pizza, paintball and Pepsi. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I had youth group and we, we put the stake on the table, you know, cause we want kids to get grounded in the word of God. And so one day my telephone rings, it, it was funny. And, and again, the, the little things that become big things, Billy Graham had a, a conference for, for young ministers. And I went cause I was wanting to meet Billy Graham, but he was at the Mayo clinic in a hospital bed. So he spoke like by video and Billy Graham said, um, when you get home, get to where you have your quiet time with God and get on your knees and say, God, what is my next assignment? Wow. And I did that because Billy Graham said, do it. So I come back to Greensboro. We had a little office off of Battleground Avenue. I got on my knees and I said, Lord, what is my next assignment? Well, like a day later, um, I was praying and, and I prayed this prayer. I'll never forget it. I said, Lord, show me what to do. And Lord, make sure that I hear you clearly. Well, my, my phone rings. It was actually my fax machine. If you guys remember what fax machines are, you know, they're not yeah. around anymore. It, those folks that are young to listening, you can Google it and see it. Yeah. <laughs> and it kept ringing, ringing, and no fax was coming through. And I thought, uh-oh, that might be a phone call. So I pick it up, and it was a guy named H.B. London, Dr. H.B. London. And he goes, hey, are you, are you Alex? Are you that youth worldview guy? And I said, yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. And he goes, well, I work for Focus on the Family, and uh, I work for my cousin, James Dobson. And I said, yeah, I've heard of him. And he goes, may he call you? And I was like, no. How did you get this number? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Dobson can call me. Uh, and he goes, uh, I'm going to cut to the chase. We want you to bring your circus under our tent. Mm -hmm. And a week later, my wife and I are on a plane to Colorado and uh, Colorado Springs. Yeah. And the day I walked in the door had a budget of several hundred thousand dollars to work with. And a few days, a few months later, they gave me another couple of hundred thousand dollars and worked on a thing called the truth project and different things. But, um, you know, God, uh, it, it's so funny. The, the first day I went to work for Dr. Dobson, I came home that night and I said, uh, I hope you like it here, Angie, because we are never, ever leaving. <laughs> this is home now. Yeah. Yeah. But we came back after six years to look after parents. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you something. I was angry at the Lord. Um, I'm out there working. It's like slam dunk after slam dunk. Um, God is so good, guys. I'm giving God the glory. There were people at Focus on the Family because, you know, Dr. Dobson at his peak was on 2,200 radio stations. Holy cow. Rush Limbaugh was on 600, if that gives you a little perspective. Dr. Wow. Dobson is a big deal. In the first 15 months that I was at Focus, I was on Dobson's radio show seven times. There, there were people out there 20 years that were on like one time. So God was really blessing. But this gets back to family. And my dad had cancer and my parents were bankrupt. My mom and dad are 80 and they're going to lose their house. Mm. And it was like God said, go home, look after your mom and dad. And I, I wrestled with God. I'm like, no, uh, God, that's their problem. Uh, I love my mom and dad. My mom and dad were believers. They're both in heaven. But um, 
they were um they were not easy to look after i'll just say that and um i went in i said dr dobson i have to go home and look after my parents i'm very sorry and i mean i i wrestled with god about this and yet i knew i had to do it and i and so we were out there and i still do a lot of work i've got a lot of friends in colorado um you know got to do a lot of 1099 contract work but um it, it, it was a wonderful experience and it, it opened doors for me that God is, is blessing to this day. But the hardest decision I ever had to make was to leave folks on the family and come back to Greensboro. And I was kind of angry at my parents because they, um, a lot of the situation they were in in their 70s and 80s was of their own making. Mm. And I felt I kind of resented the fact that I felt like I had to come fix stuff that it wasn't my fault, but it was the, it was the thing I was supposed to do. And it was the right thing to do. But, um, I, I made a decision that was a bad career decision from the world's perspective, but it was the right family decision. Does that make sense? Yes, 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 it does. Are these the peanut folks? Um, well, I, we had a farm, we had a chicken farm, but ah, we grew peanuts. Okay. So, you know, I did in 2009, we had made peanut butter for years. We started the peanut butter company in, in part because I, I'm like, I come back to, I've got to find out a way to make some money now, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I preach and write and I'm an evangelist and do, do a few things, but starting the peanut butter company was like a desperate move to try to make some money, you know, because I had walked away from a very lucrative ministry position. Yeah. Wow. What a story. Holy cow. It's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know Alex, this about you. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Odell, a good looking black guy that you well know, um, <laughs> help me understand and help our audience understand you are in Colorado rolling. I mean, for a young man, just roll it. I mean, you didn't have to worry about money. And right. a lot of ministries, it's not about money, but it's about resources to help do ministry. You didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Now you have a mom and a dad back home. First thing, how did mom and dad feel when you first left to say, hey, I'm leaving? You know, because as I understand it, you all had an egg farm, a chicken farm, and you used to sell eggs. And one of the things I admire about your story is a lot of what you did, you did in the African-American community, taking eggs in African-American communities, all this kind of stuff. So you went from serving your family on the farm, making a living to serving God or a little bit of both. Help us in that transition, because I think somewhere in there, you were a superstar, rock band musician, a drum, not a drummer, a guitar player, all this kind of good stuff. You know, um, Odell, um, one, one of the reasons that I'd, I've always felt like you and I are, you know, brothers from way back. I mean, I've always felt like I've known you my whole life. Um, we were down in the country, a little, little bit outside of Greensboro is a town called Pleasant Garden. And we had a farm there that was coming up on 100 years. You know, my grandparents started it like 100 years ago. We don't own it now. And we had a chicken farm and, and we, we sold eggs. Now, a, a lot of our egg 
customers, little curb markets and grocery and restaurants were in a lot of the black neighborhoods. So we would uh, drive the truck and deliver eggs. There's some places around Greensboro that some listeners may know, like Florida Street and um, over near, um, uh, uh, oh, what was the name of that hospital? Uh, St. James Hospital and um, um, I can't remember all the... What's that? L. Richardson, L. Richardson L. Hospital. I, I started to say Elrita Alexander, but she was a judge. But L. Richardson Hospital, overall in there, there were all these little curb markets. And I'm going to tell you, when I was 21, I became a Christian through a Bible study. I was going to a, a Bible study for college students. I heard about Jesus. My life was changed. And I'm still going to college, driving a truck. But about two and a half to three years into my Christian walk, you know, uh, we led a lot of friends to Christ at UNCG. And, you know, I, I think God might be calling me to the ministry. So I'm at Florida Street Curb Market. This is the intersection of Florida Street and Freeman Mill Road. A dear, dear black lady. She's in heaven now, I'm sure, because this is 30 some years ago. So I'm waiting in line to get my invoice signed. I deliver their eggs, put them in the walk-in cooler. And, uh, you know, along my egg route, man, I had gotten to lead people to Christ. Uh, one time I was on Phillips Avenue and Phillips Avenue is not the best part of Greensboro. I had this big wallet full of money, my, my route money. And I, it, there was no cell phone. So I'm at a pay phone. I call back to find out where I got to go on my route. And I turn around. I'm at this pay phone. And there's these two, two guys. And they said, give me that. What, wallet. what color were the guys, Alex? What color were the two guys? I got to be straight with you. There were two black guys and two black guys on, okay, go ahead. on Phillips Avenue. And they were like, give me the wallet. And I said, I, I can't do that because it's not mine to give. And, uh, you know, looking back, I don't know if I probably would have, I, you know, you're 21. You don't think about things. And I said, guys, um, and, and a guy had a knife, but now this is like three o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. And I said, guys, I can't give you this wallet because it's not mine. I said, but I'm telling you what, if you cut me and take this wallet, you're going to wind up in jail and you need Jesus. And so let me tell you, uh, give your life to Jesus. You, you don't need to be stealing. And I'm not going to give you this wallet. You'll have to kill me first. Uh, but that'll Alex, ruin your life. Alex, 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 two brothers robbing you in the hood and you talking about witnessing them to Jesus. I, I can't wait to hear how this come out. I can't wait to hear how this come out. And here you are, a 21-year-old uh, white knucklehead. guy in the hood, knucklehead in the hood, weighed about what, 100 and what? Back then, I weighed about 165. So that was 30 years and 30 pounds ago, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a pocket full of money at a pay, at a pay phone, and these guys had a knife, and you're saying... Jesus is going to get you if y'all take my money. I did. I said that. And it, it was a little general. Now they call him Circle K, but back then it was called Little General. And I said, you need Jesus. And the Lord Jesus sees what you're doing. And this guy, they, they kind of cut their eyes at each other. And this guy like waves his hand at me like, <laughs> forget this nut guy. Nut <laughs> and, and I said, Jesus loves you uh, and you need Jesus. I, I will tell you, I got in my van to drive away and I'm like, what just happened? So not long after that, though, I'm at Florida Street Curb Market. I'm waiting in line to sign the invoice. And the lady looks at me. Her name was Pauline. Dear, 
godly black lady. And she looked at me and she goes, God has a call on your life. She said, I see it. And she said, you're not going to drive a truck. You're going to preach because God is calling you. And I, I kind of whispered. I said, well, you know, uh, to be honest, I've been praying about that. And she uh, reached out. She says, I want to pray for you. Now, this is a busy, busy curb market. Now, behind me, I'll never forget some white guy who was a mailman, kind of heavy set guy in a postman's uniform. And he looks at, at me. He goes, yeah, kid, I went through that phase. I thought I was going to preach. I was going to change the world. Hey, it'll pass. Just <laughs> Oh, man. And she looks at him and she goes, she goes, you hush just because you don't have a dream. Don't you throw cold water on his dream? She looked at me and she said, young man, you keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't don't listen to this loser. You're going to preach. Oh. And she reaches out. She puts her hand on my head. And now, guys, you got to understand at a curb market on Florida Street in Greensboro was one of the, the most hood. significant the moments in the hood. This dear lady, she's at her cash register. And Odell, we ought to go there. I, I want to film a video on this spot. The curb market is no longer there. It's, it's an intersection now. And she prays and she says, oh, Lord Jesus, put your spirit on this young man and keep him. And when he's discouraged, and she prays this blessing over me. And Odell and Bill, I give God the glory. I want to say to all your listeners, I want to say Jesus is real and Jesus has a roadmap for everybody's life. And along the way, just when you need it and you need a little reminder, God will send his people to hold your arms up. And I never, 30 years later, I never drive through the intersection of Freeman Mill Road and Florida Street that I don't think about the, the, the day that that dear sister prayed over me. And, and I often, I say, you know, Lord, keep me on the path. And, you know, the Bible says in Philippians 1 verse 6 that God will complete the work he begins in our life if we let him. So I'm just a knucklehead getting up every day trying to follow Jesus. And, and I, I, I say, Lord, uh, don't let me disappoint you today and don't let me mess myself up. And Lord, uh, once again, I'm, I'm uh, Private McFarland reporting for duty. <laughs> well, Private Great McFarlane, story. Great story. As I, as I understand it, you're saying in the same hood, you almost got robbed and you confessed the word of God. And the gentleman just with the blood of Jesus just said, this guy ain't worth robbing. <laughs> yes. And in that, in, in that same hood, you were able to accept the blessing from an elderly black Christian woman who just prophesied over you and you accepted both of that in the same hood. Amen. Now, Amen. now I, I get all that. Now that helps me a lot because I've met you. Uh, you've been inner pastors of churches and you've asked me, Odell, come and pray. I mean, excuse me, come and preach at my um, churches. And I have, and usually I was the only black person in the church when I showed up and during the time of COVID, one was in Greensboro, one was in Myrtle beach, but I never asked you this question. No. I know what you said to me. You said, Odell, I need you to come and uh, preach, da-da-da. What did you say to them? And how did you tell them, uh, my good friend Odell is coming to preach. He's an excellent preacher. However, by the way, he's Black. H help me and the audience understand that conversation, because there's always two conversations. One, 
on this side of the closed door and the other one on the other side of the closed door. How did you, how did you have, how did you pull that off? And let well, me just say to everyone, I went and preached at both churches numerous times. Everybody was so gracious. Everybody was just so gracious. Well, well, uh, first of all, you're a really good preacher. And uh, I was proud to bring you in because I knew that you were going to minister the word to the people, which you do. And I, uh, brother, I, I would put you on a pulpit or a stage anywhere, anytime, because you have always got a great message. Um, honestly, though, I was interim at a little church called Good Shepherd Church in Greensboro. Then I was interim at First Baptist Myrtle Beach. And, you know, both of those churches you know, offered me the full-time gig. And both times I declined because I, I felt led to, you know, keep waiting on God. But I did not say I have uh, a black man of God coming to preach. I just said, I have a man of God coming to preach. Because uh, so when Good Shepherd or First Baptist Myrtle Beach asked me, I said, okay, yeah, I would love to be your interim. I do have a few commitments that I have to honor. But so let me, whenever I'm out of town on those rare occasions, I'll bring somebody good to the pulpit. And, you know, I had some, I had Stu Epperson preach one time that Bill, you and I know Stu and yeah, I've great guy. Um, had, you know, different friends of mine that I, I would pr number one, pray about it. And, you know, um, and of course there was times that I would invite Odell and he had a commitment and he wasn't able, but um, I never said, Hey, brace yourself because Sunday there'll be a black guy on the premises. I never well, said that. You should have said a good looking black a guy. A good Hollywood movie star, Hollywood. handsome. Yeah, no hair, but he's everything else is good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, um, I, 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 I scheduled you because I felt the leading of the Lord to do that. And uh, all both times, everybody was like, man, that guy's good. If you're out of town, get that guy. He brought it. Well, Alex, I appreciate that because what I found out too, and I don't know about both churches, you could help me, but I think in, I was probably either the first or the second black pastor to ever come and preach in those churches. And those churches are old and very prestigious churches. So maybe I was more sensitive to it than you were. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm certain uh, that in one of the churches, Good Shepherd, that you were probably the first uh, Black clergy ever in their pulpit. And at First Baptist Myrtle Beach, a church 157 years old, some of the old timers said, maybe, maybe decades ago for like a Thanksgiving community service, but probably on a Sunday morning, you probably were the first Black clergyman to preach in their pulpit. And, and let's just for a second you know, racism, you know, whenever I speak at universities, I was at the University of Toronto in Canada, February of 2018, and a thousand students were at this thing. And they were like, um, during the Q&A, you know, what does the Bible say about the races? And I said, well, first of all, uh, it's not plural, it's singular. There's one race, it's called the human race. So there's, there's not races, they're, they're human beings. Now, there are various ethnicities, and different people have different amounts of melanin in their skin. You know, um, guys, uh, check with me in February, the winter, I'm about as white as a ream of copy paper, mm. you know. Uh, but 
I, I really honestly think that um, the answer to racism has got to be a biblical v- view of humanity, not that we're different races. There's one race, just people that we have different physical attributes, height, stature, color, but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it really doesn't matter. Every human being is made in God's image and has worth, value, and is worthy of dignity and respect because they're a human being. And I'll say this, I don't mean to talk too much, but see, here's the biblical worldview. Um, Jesus said, if, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, it's like you've done it to me. That's Matthew 25. So when I honor you, I'm honoring the one whose image you bear, which mm-hmm. is the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, we're getting toward the end here, and we always ask our guest, how do you find common ground? So I want you to think about that as we go through the next series of questions. Okay. Okay. Bill, let me ask one question, and then I want you to jump in too. Alice, you mentioned that Truth for a New Generation has a business ninja. I love that. Business Uh ninja. And Bill is a business guy. I mean, he does all kind of great things to see if well, I'll let you all explain it. But Alex, what's a business ninja? Who is your business ninja? Because, you know, for me, it sounds close to the N-word, ninja. Uh, you know, the N-word, you know, Alex. So I'm just sitting there like, business ninja, I like that. And then, Bill, you, what do you think about the ninja thing? Because you, you, you're good. You're good. You go around and help companies all the time. So, Alex, share with the audience your business ninja and all the great things that this ninja is going to bring to the party. Well, uh, yeah, we just hired a guy named Chuck Wallington. In fact, uh, before I came over here to be with you all, uh, we had our first staff meeting with Chuck Wallington. I've known him about 25 years, um, godly businessman out of uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And for a number of decades, his parents and then he had a Christian book distributing company called Christian Supply, and they supplied books for about 2,000 Christian bookstores. Wow. wow. And um, during COVID, he, um, there's a thing in Massachusetts called CBD, Christian Book Distributors, which many of your listeners probably have bought from CBD online. Uh, Chuck sold out and retired at 63. So he called me up in, in March of this year, and he said, uh, hey, we're, we're going to come to the conference in Myrtle Beach, and uh, could we have lunch? And I said, sure. Very, very godly man and very gifted business person. And he said, uh, you know, I've, I've retired. He, he had about 100 employees, and um, you, you don't do that for 30 years and yes, unless you've got some chops, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. I... You know, I we went to lunch and he had been offered, you know, some positions at a couple of colleges and a, a number of things. And Bill, you know, when a person with a skill set for business and administration is on the market, you know, they don't stay unattached very long. So that's so true. And I said, uh, you know, Chuck, I'll be praying for you. And he said, you know what I'd really like to do is come to work with you. Wow. And uh, you know, I I I'm a preacher. Uh, I, I write books. You, you need a book. I'm your guy. You need organization. <laughs> I'm not your guy. See, and I was praying if, if I had all the money in the world, I would have hired Odell two years ago. Uh, and so we needed somebody with a lot of skill 
and somebody that was, you know, financially secure because uh, didn't really have a, a lot of money to pay him. And so I'm very excited. I feel like it's a brand new day. We do events, publishing and broadcasting. And um, we're, we're every day of the week on 251 radio stations. And we ship out about 70 to 80,000 books a year oh, to cow. people. And then I speak all over the country. But um, yeah, Chuck Wallington is, uh, his title is executive director. I wanted him to be um, COO, but he said he didn't want that title. He said that sounded too lofty. Uh, but he's kind of the ringmaster helping run our circus right now. Well, it takes some burden off you, doesn't it? It does, because um, uh, at best, at best, I might be adequate, but I'm not excellent yeah. when it comes to administration. Yeah. That's, you know, God gives everybody their gifts. And when you try, when you go outside of those, sometimes it's a struggle. And yeah. that's usually God telling you, this isn't where you belong. Exactly. Yeah. And find somebody to do it. Well, that's a, that's a great story. I, I guess the question I have is how do you find common ground? Uh, with, with, with Chuck or with yourselves or with whom? Any, any way you want to look at it. It could be uh, people that don't believe in Jesus. Even. Sure. Do you know <laughs> what guys? Um, I, I spend a lot of time in airports, talk to a lot of people and humans are different in a lot of ways, but at the bottom line, we're all, we're all just people. And do you know what? I think that people um, they've got three emotional needs and they've got, three intellectual needs. And, and if you get this, you can talk to anybody. Um, and you, you guys, you got to understand, man, I was so shy and so introverted. When I became a Christian back at age 21 at UNCG, I was very socially backward. But here's the thing. Everybody wants acceptance, significance, and security. Acceptance says, uh, do I fit in? significance. Do I matter? Does anybody care? And security, am I safe? And then those are emotional needs, very strong drivers in all of our lives, acceptance, significance, security. Everybody wants those things. And we, we might not verbalize it, but we think about it. Do I fit in? Nobody likes to be rejected. But then intellectually, and it takes time to talk about these things, but people think about origin, purpose, and destiny. Origin. Where did I come from? Purpose. This is big. Why am I here? Do, do I even have a purpose? And then destiny, where am I headed? And the common ground is, and I, I've got friends that are atheists. I've got friends that are gay activists. I've got friends that are uh, anti-American socialists, communists, Marxists. And I, I don't always agree with people, but we can love people and we can talk to people. And um over Christmas, Odell, um, the former head of American Atheists is a Jewish friend of mine in Seattle, Washington. Um, I've known him 11 years, um, but we talk, we always talk three or four times a year. We visit uh, this guy. You know what he said to me? And I, I'm not going to unpack all of the story, but he texted me on Christmas Eve. And we sent him some peanut butter. And he, now keep in mind, this guy's an atheist. He goes, OMG, your peanut butter is the best peanut butter ever. And he said, 
And I give God the glory for this. He said, if I didn't have a friend in the world, I know I still would have Alex McFarland. Wow. And I said, absolutely. And, and Angie and I, um, you know, he's one, a dear friend. We love this guy, but common ground. I think um, you just got to care about people. Now, here's my point, and I'll hush. Or give him peanut butter. Well, give him peanut butter. That will open the worst for One day, he, he said to me, he said, uh, you know, I'm never going to come to Christ. I'll never be a believer. And I said, well, that's between you and God. I said, but uh, be careful when you tell God never, because God has a way of prying the lid off of that jar. If you say, God, I will never, you know, God, God's your arm wrestle with God, uh, he's going to win. But he said, he said, if I never became a Christian, would you still be my friend? I said, of course. I said, now, do I want you to, to know the Lord? Of course I did. Of course. But look, I love you, whether or not you ever become a Christian. And I said, you need Alex and Angie. You call us at 1 a.m. But he said, I believe that. I really believe. It. I said, good, because it's true. So I, I think you've got to love people with no expectation of return. Yes. Yes. You know what? That, that makes all the sense in the world, Alex. And, and I just thought about two things, Bill, if you allow me to. Alex said he was an introvert. I want to ask him two questions. First thing is, how did he um, win Angie over? Because for those who don't know, Angie is a beautiful, lovely lady. So for an introvert, how did that happen? And secondly, Alex, I heard a story that you were driving down the road once and you got a call from the Ku Klux Klan or something like that. I don't understand that. Can, can you explain that? But I want to, the Ku Klux Klan story first and maybe the Angie story next. And then, Bill, I promise I'll be quiet. Okay. Um, yeah. Here, here's Angie. I know you can't see this. This is uh, when Angie and I, we, we were married a couple of years. Um, you know, people look at Angie, beautiful, beautiful lady. My wife is a nurse. They see Angie and then they look at me and they're like, how did this happen? You know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. What did she lose a bet or something? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just God. I mean, the Lord is so merciful that I got a, a, a wonderful, beautiful, godly wife. Uh, but so I'm in Charlotte. We're trying to raise money. Right. And I had spoken at a fundraising luncheon at a restaurant and I met this guy who was a stockbroker, stockbroker in Charlotte. And he, he was flying in the high stratosphere. And so I'm thinking, okay, this guy, and he's a Christian, says he's a Christian. Maybe he'll donate some money. We can go win some young people to Christ. And um, so I was in Atlanta, Georgia. Bill, you know, brace yourself. This guy calls me up and he's like, hey, Alex. And he told me his name. He said, I'm going to um, have a, a, a thing down at a place in South Carolina called Debadu which is, uh, yeah, I know where that's at. Yeah. I've, I've not been there now. This'll, this will give you some insight. Debadu is some high real estate. He said, Hey, listen, um, you and I, we've taught you, you love America. You care about America. Now I said, Oh yeah, man, I care about America. He said, um, well, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Um, I want you to become a part of an organization. And I said, Oh, okay, sure. I, you know, we're, we're all on boards. Long story short, this guy is inviting me to uh, put my toe in the water of the Ku Klux Klan. Wow. Now, literally, 
literally, I ran off onto the shoulder of the road. God's honest truth. I'm like, I'm not hearing what I just heard. This is a stockbroker in Charlotte, North Carolina, who is involved in the KKK. And I pulled the car over and I said, is this some kind of like bizarre joke you're trying to tell? He's like, come on, man. He goes, you know, we need to do what we can do to make a, a, a white America. And he said some, some stupid rhyme, like a white America is the right America, something like that. And I said, I said, listen to me, brother. I said, you claim to be a Christian. I said, how in the world can you think that you have a relationship with Jesus? The, the book of first John says, if a man claims to love the Lord and hates his brother, how does the love of God dwell in him? Amen. And I said, I said, I'm so disappointed. I said, not because a friendship or a donor, what I said, you are, you are deceived. And I said, you, you need to repent to God right now and ask Jesus to forgive you. No, I will not come to your meeting. No, I'm not interested. I said, you, you better cry out to God for him to have mercy on you. Mm. So Odell, that, that blew my mind. This is a decade ago. I've not talked to this guy in 12 or 13 years. This was more than a decade ago, but I want people to realize and look, anybody that knows me, I'm, I'm very conservative. I love the Lord. I love America. But this is real. This is like some of the big money from Charlotte. And he's inviting me to join the KKK. Does that blow your mind? Hmm. Well, you know what, Alex? You need to put him on your peanut butter list. And I'm not trying to make light of it. But as I, one thing I admire about you, the black guys in the hood who tried to rob you, you told them about Jesus. <laughs> yes, I the, did. The rich white guy in Charlotte who tried to get you to join the Klan, you told them about Jesus. Congratulations, my friend. Bill? Yeah. yeah. Alex, it's been an honor to have you on our podcast, and uh, we look forward to having you again. Uh, we ask for blessings on your ministry and your summer camp. May COVID stay away yeah. <laughs> from it. Yeah. I, hopefully by then we'll be on the downside of all this. But Alex, thanks again. Hey, thank you, fellas. I, I respect you both and I love you both. And I, I cherish this time together. Great. Thank you very much. Alex, Alex, do you mind closing us out in prayer, please, for our what, country? What an we honor. all love America. Can, do you mind praying for America? Yes. Thanks. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Lord, we just celebrated Christmas and thank you that you so love the world that you sent your one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So Lord, first and foremost, thank you for your love and grace to us. Thank you for Bill and Odell and bless common ground, raise this broadcast up and Lord, take them wherever you want them to go. And Lord, let every one of us know that we can make a better America. It starts by doing what Jesus said do, that we would love our neighbor. And so, Father God, may our ways be pleasing in your sight, and may your will be done in all of our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow, great show, guys. Bill, your thoughts? Yeah, outstanding. We're done. Uh, that was a great show. We'll yeah. get, uh, I'll give you the date it's going to come on air. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and we'll, we'll schedule. Yeah, we'll circulate it. Yeah. And uh, 
Hey, thanks, guys. I'm sorry if I talk too much or too no. long. No, 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 no. You were great. You were great. We wanted you to be you. We wanted you to be you. Alex, tell me some more about the um, book distribution piece and everything else. Do you all do it only for your book? So how does that work? Yeah, like uh, for my book. Now we do, we'll buy like New Testaments and we send a lot of stuff like to inmates in jails because a lot of, a lot of inmates listen to me on the radio and um, they want this or that um, book. And so I can buy my books at wholesale, like even a book um, that uh, might be $12.99 at Barnes and Noble, I can probably get for four bucks. And wow. um so then you got bubble envelopes. Um, have you ever, you guys ever seen this company called Uline? Yes. 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 I have stuff from them. Uline. Yeah. Yeah. They probably should put a plaque on the wall with our name on it <laughs> because we buy so many bubble envelopes from Uline. But, um, you know, people email and they'll, they'll say, you know, um, I got teenagers and, and I just found pot in my son's room and, you know, what do I do? And, so uh, we've got a couple of books on parenting that I've written. And, um, you know, I'm away at college. My professor's an atheist. And now I, I've, my professor says Jesus never existed. How do I answer that? And um, we, we ship out books, whether it's about parenting or whether it's about the evidence for Christianity. And so we're just trying to help some people come to the Lord and help others come back mm. to the Lord. Mm. You know, wow. hey, you know it's interesting. You make, you made a comment about your son or daughter's smoking pot. We were in Parma for Christmas. That's yeah. where I'm from. And we're in my mom's house and uh, we we're having a poker game with my cousins and yeah. my brothers. And, and uh, I happened to look up and there was a crucifix on the, on up in the wall. And uh, it occurred to me that that's, crucifix had holy water in it and two candles so that if the priests came over they would have these things sure so i mentioned it to dory and she's going what it no and so i took it off the wall and i slid the secret compartment and there was a jar holy water was gone but the uh candles were there and my one cousin young kid he goes yeah that's where we used to hide our marijuana <laughs> i'm like holy cow wow that's pretty wild <laughs> yeah so, uh, you know what, Alex, Bill's wife, Dory, who you met, her father used to run a huge Christian bookstore and Bill, who's sitting in front of you, he was either offered or had something to do, I don't know, Bill, with the Boy Scouts down in Charlotte around shipping out all their supplies or something. I don't know, but I know for sure that Dory's, I think her father, Bill, had a huge bookstore, Christian bookstore. Logos bookstore, the largest one in the country. What was for, it for about thirty years? No, it was in Richmond, Virginia, yeah. downtown Richmond. It's an old A and P store. And, and uh, uh, what story's dad's name? Uh, York Y O R K. Yeah. But it's interesting. Dory's mother, uh, her, her her maternal grandfather, used to sell up and down the East Coast uh, funeral. Uh, supplies like embalming fluid and stuff, mm -hmm. but he was a Christian and he would buy Christian books and give them away yeah. uh, to the point that they had very little money to live on. Yeah. And uh, I've done that. Yeah. Sound familiar. Yeah. Huh? yeah. And, uh, but they have, I have a picture. I'll show you it, it, over there. They became good friends with Billy Graham's parents and they met him in Florida and Billy Graham was a young man 
and they have a picture of him holding Dory's mom when she was an infant. Wow. And, uh, and he was, this was in Cypress, uh, Florida, and he would go out into the Cypress swamp and get on the stumps and preach to the, the swamp, the practice. Mm, yeah. And, uh, so I was up at the, uh, uh, Billy Graham's training center. I forgot the what cove, it was, the cove. And I ran into his grandson, uh, who Will. runs it. Will. Yeah. Will. And so I said, Hey, you know, I got a picture of your grandfather that you guys might be interested. Oh yeah. You know, he's heard all this stuff. So I scanned it and sent to him and I I got his administrative assistant. She said, "Um, Will would love to get a copy of that. Can you, can you make produce a copy for us? Yeah. He said, he's never seen that picture. Wow. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, That, that is, that is really awesome. If you, um, if, if you, if, let me ask permission. I'll send you his contact. Yeah, please do. Cause we we're going to, um, I'd like to get him on the podcast. Yeah. So please do that. And I'll use your name if it's okay. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. We're going to bring him to Greensboro in March to film a TV show over at Alderman. Okay. And, um, in fact, we were just texting dates back and forth this morning. Uh, Will is going to be with us sometime either a tuesday or a thursday in march okay and while he's in town i'll try to get him over yeah, here it'd be great you know and he's got another brother yeah um who was an army uh ranger yes he had like four or five tours he spoke at the it's called the black mountain retreat that i went to uh justice paul newby's a good friend yeah and he says why don't you come with me so i went as his guest and uh, paul, paul uh, newby is a uh big supporter of what we do is he he's yeah. a great man he is a dear man yeah. of god yeah he's does a ton of stuff for scouting yeah a ton of stuff wow yeah we've had him Bill? here in fact he's yeah. been on the podcast he was one of our first podcast people yeah i would love to have another podcast and we get justice newby and alex on to talk about that whole faith piece because justin newby was excellent when he came on the show yeah wow judge newby he has really um, been an incredible man of God and uh, a, just a dear, dear Christian man. You know, um, I don't know if he still does it. He was a Sunday school teacher too, and a great Sunday school teacher. He called me up. This is probably five years ago. We had met, and he called me about some passage he was teaching in Sunday school, and and asked my opinion about this interpretation. And did I know a good commentary? He was teaching the book of Hebrews, which is pretty complicated. And I was like. Lord, how is this? The number one judge in the state of North Carolina is at, is calling to ask me about his Sunday school lesson. I am not even worthy to be. <laughs> but, put it in different context, huh? But I I love Judge Newby. Yeah. I, I, hey, do you know the Albrights, like David Albright, Clyde Albright? Mm-hmm. You know, Clyde is the DA in Alamance County. Yeah, and David, um, well, and their their other brother Lon, who I sort of know, but. David and Clyde Albright and I, we grew up in Buffalo Presbyterian Church. We have been as close as family since toddlerhood. Wow. And uh, dear people, but they were huge in scouting. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I know him from. Yeah. Yeah. I met Paul Newby through scouting in 2010. We had the 100th anniversary. And uh, one of the guys, Barry Smith, locally said, hey, we're going over to newcomer school. One of the chief justices is going to talk to the kids about uh the legal system yeah and uh so i i was interested in both 
And so I went over and uh, we just hit it off and I've stayed at his house. Dory and I have stayed at his house. And uh, as a matter of fact, it's interesting. He called me one day and he goes, uh, Hey, listen, I've got a niece that's looking for a job. Uh, and uh, she's a bookkeeper. Do you need a bookkeeper? And I says, matter of fact, I've been looking for somebody. Uh, it's not full time, but maybe part time. So she came over and we interviewed her and uh, we brought her on as a bookkeeper. And now she runs one of my, she runs this company for me. Wow. And she's Justice Newby's niece. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Do you know his uh, paralegal is um, Henderson is her name. Mm-hmm. I think it might be Rebecca. Henderson. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Her father died a year ago. Mm. John Henderson. He was pastor in Ashburn, a dear, dear friend. He was on our board. And um, I mean, we go back a long way, but, but in fact, that's how I got to know Judge Newby through Johnny Henderson and his daughter, Rebecca, wow. who, you know, she's, she's really brilliant too, but. Um, great man. Great yeah, guy. It's a small man. world. Isn't oh man. It? We, we're lucky to have him in his position. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Okay. Hey, my buddy. last question, Alex, and I'm gonna yeah. have to take off. Alex, you have Congressman Mark Walker, who we've had on the show. Congressman Ted Bud, who we've had on the show. We haven't had McCurry on yet. Who are you going to support? Uh, you don't want to say. I don't even, I, I don't even know. Um, l- let me flaunt my ignorance here. Um, which elect it, now, Mark, who I, I, I was on the phone with Mark about a week ago. He's a friend, Mark Walker. He's going to be running for senator. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Ted Bud's running for same seat, Senate. Yeah. And and McClory, the ex-governor, is right. running for the same seat, Senator. Pat McClory. Yeah, Pat McClory. So in the yeah. Republican primary, yeah. those three are the head. Yeah. And then Sharon, Sherry Beasley, who was the chief justice before Paul Newby, right. she's running on the Democratic ticket. Wow. You know, um, I knew Pat McClory fairly well when I lived in Charlotte. We had breakfast. And in fact, just before the governor's race, you know, back in 2020. Yeah, I guess it was 20. When did Roy Cooper win his first term? I think 2018. Yeah. We had dinner, Pat McCory and I, uh, we went to Raleigh and had a dinner with about five or six guys. And I worked really hard to try to get churches to vote. And, um, you know, this is another conversation that I, that Odell and I've had before. Um, you know, I, I really care. One of my litmus tests for political leaders is if they really understand the philosophical foundation of the Constitution, which is natural law. And, and I don't want to open up a Pandora's box of conversation here. Judge Newby and I have talked about this at length. And I actually teach. I've taught a class at Liberty on campus and uh, at two or three other Christian schools on God and government the philosophical foundations of the U.S. government. And so what's um, important, and I think there are a lot of people that don't even really understand America. It's not um, unrestrained liberty that I can do whatever I want. It is freedom within moral boundaries. Mm -hmm. And what's so dangerous is we're losing all sense of moral boundaries. So to your question, who am I going to say? I don't know. I haven't even thought that far ahead. I've got to confess ignorance. I don't know anything about Ted Budd. He's a minister. Okay. Went to the Dallas Seminary. Wow. Uh, His family owns a big, big company. 
uh, but but industries. They do lawn care and uh, custodial work. Okay. Uh, and uh, he's in the House of Representatives now mm-hmm. for North Carolina. And he was endorsed by uh, Trump. Okay. Trump wow. came out and endorsed him at the Republican convention here recently. Okay. Well, yeah, which, I heard about that. Yeah, which blew everybody's mind. But uh, so he's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good guy there. You know, I don't I, I know Pat because I used to go once or twice a year with Justice Newby mm-hmm. for a Boy Scouts thing with yeah. Pat and got to know him through that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think there's still, you know, they've moved out the election till next March, right. uh, the primary. So you got plenty of time you know, some people may drop out. I don't think anybody will come back in, but I yeah. think those three are it. Well, what grieves me is when um, equally good people cannibalize each other. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. And yes, I agree. Uh, this, this is one thing where very often uh, liberals are better than us. They don't mind taking one for the team mm-hmm. and somebody will step aside so the momentum can get channeled Absolutely. into the, yep. the lead dog. Mm-hmm. Conservatives don't do that. No, they fight it out, which is crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I wish that between McCrory, Bud, and Walker, there could be just a collegial look. Who who can take the ball across the goal line? Yeah, and who's going to best represent us? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, buddy. You done? I, yeah. No, one, one thing I need to say to um, Alex. All right, Alex, this is how we do the show. The show was over. However, Bill left it running because sometimes we get some good things out of this. However, I don't want us to use anything because we went, we got all into politics and stuff like that. So we won't use any of that on the show. Good. Let's not. Let's let's conclude yeah. after the prayer. Got it. Okay, good. Good. Okay. I, 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 I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, wait a minute. We're talking about a bunch of stuff that we don't want to be talking about on the show. All yeah, right, yeah. good. Hey, Jeremy, Alex, love you. Jeremy, you heard that. <laughs> he's yeah, he's yeah, producer. yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, Odell, I love you, man. Let's get together, okay? Appreciate it. Tell Angie I said hi. Tell Bev you said hi. Talk to you later on. Appreciate All it, guys. Right. We love you. See you, buddy. All right, same here.